0: Book three, section seven through nine of King Cole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. King Cole by Upton Sinclair. Book three, the Henchman of King Cole, section seven. Hal stood and watched the portly figure until it disappeared. Then he turned back and passed the three detectives who stopped. He stared at them, but made no sign, nor did they. Some twenty feet behind him they fell in and followed as before. Judge Denton had suggested consulting a policeman, and suddenly Hal noticed that he was passing the city hall, and it occurred to him that this matter of his being shadowed might properly be brought to the attention of the mayor of Pedro. He wondered what the chief magistrate of such a hell of a town might be like. After due inquiry he found himself in the office of mr Ezra Perkins, a mild-mannered little gentleman who had been in the undertaking business before he became a figurehead for the so-called democratic machine. He sat pulling nervously at a neatly trimmed brown beard trying to wriggle out of the dilemma into which Hal put him. Yes, it might possibly be that a young miner was being followed on the streets of the town, but whether or not this was against the law depended on the circumstances. If he had made a disturbance in North Valley, and there was reason to believe that he might be intending trouble, doubtless the company was keeping track of him. But Pedro was a law-abiding place, and he would be protected in his rights so long as he behaved himself. Hal replied by citing what McKellar had told him about men being slugged on the streets in broad daylight. To this Mr. Perkins answered that there was uncertainty about the circumstances of these cases. Anyhow, they had happened before he became mayor— His was a reform administration, and he had given strict orders to the chief of police that there were to be no more incidents of the sort. "'Will you go with me to the chief of police and give him orders now?' demanded Hal. "'I do not consider it necessary,' said Mr. Perkins. He was about to go home, it seemed. He was a pitiful little rodent, and it was a shame to torment him, But Hal stuck to him for ten or twenty minutes longer, arguing and insisting, until finally the little rodent bolted for the door and made his escape in an automobile. "'You can go to the chief of police yourself,' were his last words, as he started the machine, and Hal decided to follow the suggestion. He had no hope left, but he was possessed by a kind of dogged rage. He would not let go.' Upon inquiry of a passer-by, he learned that police headquarters was in this same building, the entrance being just round the corner. He went in and found a man in uniform writing at a desk, who stated that the chief had stepped down the street. Hal sat down to wait, by a window through which he could look out upon the three gunmen loitering across the way. The man at the desk wrote on. But now and then he eyed the young miner with that hostility which American policemen cultivate toward the lower classes. To Hal this was a new phenomenon, and he found himself suddenly wishing that he had put on Mackellar's clothes. Perhaps a policeman would not have noticed the misfit. The chief came in. His blue uniform concealed a burly figure— and his moustache revealed the fact that his errand down the street had had to do with beer. "'Well, young fellow,' said he, fixing his gaze upon Hal. Hal explained his errand. "'What do you want me to do?' asked the chief in a decidedly hostile voice. "'I want you to make those men stop following me.' "'How can I make them stop?' "'You can lock them up, if necessary. "'I can point them out to you if you'll step to the window.' "'But the other made no move. "'I reckon if they're follerin' you, they've got some reason for it. "'Have you been making trouble in the camps?' "'He asked this question with sudden force, "'as if it had occurred to him that it might be his duty to lock up Hal.' "'No,' said Hal, speaking as bravely as he could.' No, indeed, I haven't been making trouble. I've only been demanding my rights." "'How do I know what you have been doing?' The young miner was willing to explain, but the other cut him short. "'You behave yourself while you're in this town, young feller. d'ye you see? If you do, nobody'll bother you.' "'But,' said Hal, "'they've already threatened to bother me.' "'What did they say?' They said something might happen to me on a dark night. Well, so it might. You might fall down and hit your nose. The chief was pleased with this wit, but only for a moment. Understand, young feller, we'll give you your rights in this town, but we got no love for agitators, and we don't pretend to have, see? You call a man an agitator when he demands his legal rights? I ain't got time to argue with you, young feller. IT'S NO EASY MATTER KEEPING ORDER IN COAL CAMPS, AND I AIN'T GOING TO MEDDLE IN THE BUSINESS. I RECKON THE COMPANY DETECTIVES HAS GOT AS GOOD A RIGHT IN THIS TOWN AS YOU. THERE WAS A PAUSE. Hal saw that there was nothing to be gained by further discussion with the chief. It was his first glimpse of the American policeman as he appears to the laboring man in revolt, and he found it an illuminating experience there was dynamite in his heart as he turned and went out to the street. Nor was the amount of the explosive diminished by the mocking grins which he noted upon the faces of Pete Hannon and the other two husky-looking personages. End of section 7 Section 8 Hal judged that he had now exhausted his legal resources in Pedro. The chief of police had not suggested anyone else he might call upon, so there seemed nothing he could do but go back to McKellar's and await the hour of the night train to Western City. He started to give his guardians another run, by way of working off at least a part of his own temper, but he found that they had anticipated this difficulty. An automobile came up, and the three of them stepped in. Not to be outdone, Hal engaged a hack, and so the expedition returned in pomp to Mackellar's. Hal found the old cripple in a state of perturbation. All that afternoon his telephone had been ringing. One person after another had warned him, some pleading with him, some abusing him. It was evident that among them were people who had a hold on the old man, but he was undaunted, and would not hear of Hal's going to stay at the hotel until train time. Then Keating returned, with an exciting tale to tell. Schulman, general manager of the G.F.C., had been sending out messengers to hunt for him, and finally had got him in his office, arguing and pleading, cajoling and denouncing him by turns. He had got Cartwright on the telephone, and the North Valley superintendent had laboured to convince Keating that he had done the company a wrong. Cartwright had told a story about Hal's efforts to hold up the company for money. "'Incidentally,' said Keating, "'he added the charge that you had seduced a girl in his camp.' Hal stared at his friend. "'Seduced a girl?' he exclaimed. That's what he said, a red-headed Irish girl. Well, damn his soul. There followed a silence, broken by a laugh from Billy. Don't glare at me like that. I didn't say it. But Hal continued to glare nevertheless. The dirty little skunk. Take it easy, Sonny, said the fat man soothingly. It's quite the usual thing to drag in a woman. It's so easy, for of course there always is a woman. There's one in this case, I suppose. There's a perfectly decent girl. But you've been friendly with her? You've been walking around where people can see you? Yes. So, you see, they've got you. There's nothing you can do about a thing of that sort. You wait and see, Hal burst out. The other gazed curiously at the angry young miner. What'll you do? Beat him up some night? But the young miner did not answer. You say he described the girl? He was kind enough to say she was a red-headed beauty, and with no one to protect her but a drunken father. I could understand that must have made it pretty hard for her in one of these coal camps. There was a pause. But see here, said the reporter. You'll only do the girl harm by making a row. Nobody believes that women in coal camps have any virtue. God knows I don't see how they do have, considering the sort of men who run the camps and the power they have. Mr. Keating, said Hal, did you believe what Cartwright told you? Keating had started to light a cigar. He stopped in the middle, and his eyes met Hal's. My dear boy, said he, I didn't consider it my business to have an opinion. But what did you say to Cartwright? Ah, that's another matter. I said that I'd been a newspaper man for a good many years, and I knew his game. Thank you for that, said Hal. You may be interested to know there isn't any truth in the story. Glad to hear it, said the other. I believe you. Also, you may be interested to know that I shan't drop the matter until I've made Cartwright take it back. Well, you're an enterprising cuss, laughed the reporter. Haven't you got enough on your hands with all the men you're going to get out of the mine? End of Section 8 Section 9 Billy Keating went out again saying that he knew a man who might be willing to talk to him on the quiet, and give him some idea what was going to happen to Hal. Meantime Hal and Edstrom sat down to dinner with Mackellar. The family were afraid to use the dining-room of their home, but spread a little table in the upstairs hall. The distress of mind of Mackellar's wife and daughter was apparent, and this brought home to Hal the terror of life in this coal country." HERE WERE AMERICAN WOMEN, IN AN AMERICAN HOME, A HOME WITH EVIDENCES OF REFINEMENT AND CULTURE, YET THEY FELT AND ACTED AS IF THEY WERE RUSSIAN CONSPIRATORS, IN TERROR OF SIBERIA AND THE Nout. THE REPORTER WAS GONE A COUPLE OF HOURS. WHEN HE CAME BACK, HE BROUGHT NEWS. YOU CAN PREPARE FOR TROUBLE, YOUNG FELLOW. WHY SO? JEFF COTTON'S IN TOWN. How do you know? I saw him in an automobile. If he left North Valley at this time, it was for something serious, you may be sure. What does he mean to do? There's no telling. He may have you slugged. He may have you run out of town and dumped out in the desert. He may just have you arrested. Hal considered for a moment. For slander? Or for vagrancy or on suspicion of having robbed a bank in Texas or murdered your great-grandmother in Tasmania. The point is he'll keep you locked up till this trouble is blown over. Well, said Hal, I don't want to be locked up. I want to go up to Western City. I'm waiting for the train. You may have to wait till morning, replied Keating. There's been trouble on the railroad. A freight car broke down and ripped up the track. It'll be some time before it's clear. They discussed this new problem back and forth. McKellar wanted to get in half a dozen friends and keep guard over Hal during the night. And Hal had about agreed to this idea when the discussion was given a new turn by a chance remark of Keating's. Somebody else is tied up by the railroad accident. The Coal King's son. The Coal King's son? echoed hal young percy harrigan he's got a private car here or rather a whole train think of it dining car drawing-room car 2 whole cars with sleeping apartments wouldn't you like to be a son of the coal king has he come on account of the mine disaster mine disaster echoed keating i doubt if he's heard of it they've been on a trip to the grand canyon i was told There's a baggage car with four automobiles. Is old Peter with them? No, he's in New York. Percy's the host. He's got one of his automobiles out and was up in town. Two other fellows and some girls. Who's in his party? I couldn't find out. You can see it might be a story for the Gazette. The Coal King's son coming by chance at the moment when a hundred and seven of his serfs are perishing in the mine... IF I COULD ONLY HAVE GOT HIM TO SAY A WORD ABOUT THE DISASTER, IF I COULD EVEN HAVE GOT HIM TO SAY HE DIDN'T KNOW ABOUT IT. DID YOU TRY? WHAT AM I A REPORTER FOR? WHAT HAPPENED? NOTHING HAPPENED, EXCEPT THAT HE FROZE ME STIFF. WHERE WAS THIS? ON THE STREET. THEY STOPPED AT A DRUG-STORE, AND I STEPPED UP. IS THIS MR. PERCY HARRIGAN? HE WAS LOOKING INTO THE STORE, OVER MY HEAD. I'm a reporter, I said, and I'd like to ask you about the accident up at North Valley. Excuse me, he said in a tone. Gee, it makes your blood cold to think of it. Just a word, I pleaded. I don't give interviews, he answered, and that was all. He continued looking over my head and everybody else staring in front of them. They had turned to ice at my first word. If ever I felt like a frozen worm there was a pause. Ain't it wonderful, reflected Billy, how quick you can build up an aristocracy. When you looked at that car, the crowd in it and the airs they wore, you'd think they'd been running the world since the time of William the Conqueror, and old Peter came into this country with a peddler's pack on his shoulders. We are hustlers here, put in McKellar. "'We'll hustle all the way to hell in a generation more,' said the reporter. Then, after a minute, "'Say, but there's one girl in that bunch that was the real thing. She sure did get me. You know all those fluffy things they do themselves up in, soft and fuzzy, makes you think of springtime orchards. This one was exactly the color of apple blossoms.' "'You're susceptible to the charms of the ladies?' inquired Hal mildly. I am, said the other. I know it's all fake, but just the same it makes my little heart go pit-a-pat. I always want to think they're as lovely as they look." Hal's smile became reminiscent, and he quoted, "'Oh, Liza Ann, come out with me. The moon is a-shinin' in the monkey-puzzle-tree.' Then he stopped with a laugh. "'Don't wear your heart on your sleeve, Mr. Keating. She wouldn't be above taking a peck at it as she passed. At me, a worm of a newspaper reporter? At you, a man, laughed Hal. I wouldn't want to accuse the lady of posing, but a lady has her role in life, and has to keep her hand in. There was a pause. The reporter was looking at the young miner with sudden curiosity. See here, he remarked, I've been wondering about you. How do you come to know so much about the psychology of the leisure class? I used to have money once, said Hal. My family's gone down as quickly as the Harrigans have come up. End of section 9